We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. We love to talk about modern dating, but we also love to dig into the why, why, whys of why people do the things they do and why people behave the way they do. And one of the questions that's been a huge why in my head is, have you been watching Selling Sunset? Yes, <laughs> I'm obsessed oh with gosh. Selling Sunset. <laughs> are you are you like that I is a big it. fucking why what happened between Chrishell and Justin? Yes. So for anyone that's been living oh under a rock, I mean you've probably seen it, but Justin Hartley <sighs> in This Is Us, who is oh, such a I don't know, swoon worthy, but <laughs> he's Heart like throb. my type to the T. <laughs> 
<laughs> who was a nobody, yes. by the way. Yes. He was like a soap star when he and Chriselle started dating, and they dated for four years. And then as soon as they got married, I think it happened around the same time that he got on This Is Us, and he he blew up. He got really right. big. And Chriselle basically has like a dying soap career. So now she's on a show called Selling Sunset on Netflix, Netflix where they sell like she's a realtor. But on season three, which just came out on Netflix, they disclosed that he basically went to TMZ and said, I filed for a divorce from her. And from her side, the story is she only knew 45 minutes before this all came out into the public. I know. It's so crazy. But he apparently, if you've, I yes. don't know about you, yeah. but I always <laughs> yeah, do this. Is like when I go uh-huh. on the show and I finish it, and then I go into like ultra research mode. Mm-hmm. And he apparently did not like the way he was portrayed on Selling Sunset. So who knows? It is definitely a mystery. But I also get it. Like, I mean, we get it, right? Like, there's only so much you can disclose about your personal life. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain times that I'll say something that's like very evasive and it's because I'm like respecting the privacy of someone else. Yeah. So I get it. And I think it's one of those things like they built it up as much as they could, but it hit a point that they just couldn't say anything more. Yeah. But he claims in interviews that there was a very good reason for the divorce and he's not going to disclose it, but he's waiting for her to do it. Uh, also, I mean, it's just... I still think, regardless of what happened between them, we can't judge couples. As we know, relationships are all very different. But it just so shows you that they have poor communication, right? Yeah. That's like basically what it's saying. I don't I don't really care who's at fault at this point. They're both at fault because they're, they have not – like, seriously, you cannot be blindsided when someone divorces you. That is – like the worst thing that you could possibly do to your partner. So was this how you spent your weekend too? Because I definitely <laughs> sure spent Me too. a yes. big Yes. yes. <laughs> my, it was my, funny because my... <laughs> I like on Friday night, I went out for dinner with some friends and um, one, two were a couple and they're like really into selling Sunset and one girl, she has, she's actually a realtor, but she hadn't seen it yet. Oh man. And we were like just going to town on yeah. it. I loved it. Like my friend's boyfriend was equally as invested in it. I don't know if your boyfriend has been too, but like it oh was just god. so funny. And we were just all like, oh my god, after this dinner, we're all going to go back and stream it because it came out on Friday. Yeah, it came out on Friday. I had no idea except for my friend texted me and said I just watched the entire season three of Selling Sunset and I was like holy shit it's out because I knew about the divorce obviously they alluded to it in in the last season it's just awful I think it's awful and I also think it's crap that Davina basically defended Justin was like oh there are two sides to every story like fuck you defend your friend and your coworker. I mean I'm not a fan of her in general but I did go on a binge after and apparently a lot got cut out from that scene so they clearly like there's a there's a portrayal role that they're having her play i'm not defending her i don't love her but there's i wonder how much of it's her versus like the character that they need her to be like the villain right that's true or the weirdo i don't know she's so (laughs) apparently she's like in a super serious relationship i've never seen them mention her boyfriend ever i always thought like she was that one that placed judgment on Mm -hmm. everyone else and didn't have anything going on in her life so it's just hard to know with reality tv is reality tv for a reason but 
Yeah. I, you know, I, this is what I think happened. I think when they first started the show, Davina was already working there and everybody else was cast to be part of the show because that, that's why they're all like blonde with big boobs. And Davina was like an actual person that, that worked there, employee. And I think she came with the group and they were like, we got to create a character out of her. We got to make her into something. And I think for first two seasons, they didn't know how to portray her. And season three, they were like, fine, let's just make her into a, a villain. She's got to be somebody. <laughs> I know. I feel like I had a very busy weekend doing not that much. But <laughs> I mean, I did go out for dinner a couple times. That's like the big news of, you know, court, post-quarantine life. But outside of Selling Sunset, I also needed to catch up on this dating app experiment. Yes, I had where a, have you been lately? I had a very busy week. And unfortunately, I did not be I wasn't able to use Hinge as much as I would have liked in this week. So I basically had to cram it all in from Friday to Sunday. So I was in a That's lot of places. Busy dating. Yeah. Do you want the rundown? And then where did we can, you start? Who? Where to even start? You gave me last time when we talked a few different locations. I mean, we got uh-huh. a ton of locations in from listeners, but I decided that I'm, for anyone that hasn't heard this yet, I decide, I've been doing this experiment where I change my location on Hinge and go to different cities to see what the dating app experience is like. And I think what I realized is one, I'm ready to start dating again more seriously. Mm -hmm. And I want that to be in my own city because I've done long distance before and I I don't really want to recreate that. So I'm like, I want to be more intentional and go back to where I actually am. And then second, I feel like a few people were kind of like, wait, so you don't live here? Like I got a few of those messages and I just, I don't want to keep doing it. So that was like another reason in general also. So the few places that we decided on was Calgary in Canada. That was the one that was really um, by one of our lovely Facebook um, members. Janice, we'll give you a shout out. She was like, you have to go to Calgary. So we put that one on the list. I also did Melbourne, which is Mm -hmm. one that you said for um, international. And Mm -hmm. actually, one of the people that wrote to us on Instagram suggesting Melbourne hit us up and said, I'm so happy that Melbourne was picked. Can you also throw in Sydney? Because apparently they're back on lockdown. So I'm like, okay, I'll do both. So this is how the the dating experiment spirals. (laughs) And then I did Washington, D.C. that Uh we talked about. And then I did um, a really quick layover in Miami. Okay, so all all these places in three days. Yeah, but I... (laughs) And they all start to like merge together. Right. But one thing I do before I go into this week's results, one of the things last week that I mentioned was how attractive the men in Chicago were. Chicago. And then no Mm -hmm. one reached out to me. And also how like much more Jewish um, or more Jews than I would have expected in Chicago and less diverse than I would have expected. We actually had a listener write in that she used to live in Chicago. She lives in Connecticut now. And she had the same exact experience yep. on Hinge that all these guys would be there and she none of them would ever initiate or match with her. So she so thought they were the bots. Deal? I don't know. Mm. So I don't know if that's true. It might not be. Like, it's again, it's sample size of two now. But apparently someone else has also experienced this. So it's not just me. But she did say that Hinge apparently drew more of a Jewish crowd. She 
was also a fellow Jew. And she said it did not represent the diversity of Chicago like other dating apps. So I wanted to bring this in, one, to, you know, give that background. But also there is a little bit of a bias on my experiment because I'm only in Hinge. Is the the founder Jewish? No, I don't think so. Because usually the app reflects who the founder is. But I don't know. I mean, huh, there's interesting. just there could just be some biases that my experiment has because I'm only on Hinge is what yeah. I'm saying. Or so. it's for the Jews who are sick of J-Date. Or you J-Swipe. Know, they need it. Or J-Swipe. Yeah, they need an alternative. Okay. So, so where did you start? Okay. So I went to Melbourne and... <laughs> I love that. I'm like, I went to Melbourne. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was on my couch on a hinge in Melbourne. (laughs) Watching Selling Sunset. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Multitasking through this really busy weekend I had. Um, So in general, there was just a super laid back. I got to pull up my notes. I'm like, I can't even remember all this. Super laid back, like surfer vibe in Melbourne. Just really attractive men in general. I'm like, I could do Mm -hmm. this. Diverse occupations in general. A lot Mm. of creative types. I noticed a lot of like writers, Uh musicians, but then also like engineers, teachers. Like it really was across the board technicians architects like it really was all over the place i found that it was like pretty much all white (laughs) like Mm. very little diversity in general and um so then i went to sydney and there was Mm -hmm. a lot more diversity in sydney Mm -hmm. like way more than melbourne and um the hot tip that i got from the listener that hit us up on instagram was to hit up sydney because they went back into lockdown thinking that it would be very active right and boy was it active i really feel like i got i I mean my hinge is like (laughs) up to like a few hundred people right now like sending me messages it's like holy crazy i need to like let it simmer down for a couple days before i go back to sf because i don't even know where anyone's from anymore that is a great (laughs) dating tip is you find out what city is on lockdown and you just go go there tons of activity like matches like blew up and then in general the guys were still very attractive i feel Mm -hmm. like there were the occupations were more still diverse like melbourne but more office jobs Mm -hmm. like slightly more of that and then one of the things i noticed is that like the guys because a lot of them did actually message me and they were cheeky like i like in british guys but a little more arrogant like there was like an mm. arrogant vibe to the cheekiness if that like a lot of them were like, oh, lucky you matched with me or like, oh, oh like there was like a joke about it. It wasn't serious. Like they would like throw it out, but it'd be, I don't know. I can't remember all the messages offhand, but they were, it mm. was like, there was like a little arrogance thrown in, I guess is what I observed. And do you I like that? Not really. I like, because okay. I feel like British men are almost like self-deprecating. Yes. And I like that a lot more. Okay. So, okay. All right. Yeah. That's learning a little something about and yourself also, too. A lot of them were aggressive. Like some of them mm-hmm. were like, let's like one guy was like, let's meet up. And I was like, I'm only visiting. I didn't say that I was <laughs> <laughs> I mean technically <laughs> I was visiting. I'm only visiting for this hour on hinge <laughs> from technically not a lie he's like what hotel are you staying at where are you Dang. staying and i'm like aren't you guys in lockdown he's like it doesn't matter and i'm like he's like let's continue this convo on the phone and i'm like oh my god like can we just have like a couple back oh and forth it was like goodness. very aggressive 
Again, not saying this is all people in Sydney. I don't want yeah, to generalize. It's your experience. But yeah. it just felt it a little more than other places that people were, which I guess the positive is that they were down to meet up. Yeah. You know, some people complain mm. that their city, like Chicago, right? Like no one's reaching out. Besides the couple like cheeky, arrogant ones, there was a lot of initiation, but it was like lazy. It was like, hey, mm. how are you? It wasn't anything like I looked in your profile and saw something. Although, yeah, nothing thoughtful. In their defense, they probably looked at my profile and was like, I don't recognize any of this. <laughs> she doesn't live there. So who knows? Right. Right. So that was... um. Australia. I guess I hit up a few places there. Uh-huh. Calgary. I think everyone just looks so friendly in Calgary. And I don't know mm. if that's just my perception of Canadians coming through, but I definitely picked up. There was a lot of like smile, like happy energy that I was seeing. A lot of outdoor shots, some hockey picks that also <laughs> fell into stereotype. Sounds about right. I think at first I was getting this like all American vibe, which is kind of ironic because yeah. I was in Canada, but it was like what your stereotypical like American dude looks like, but then it started to get more diverse. Like I think Janice actually mentioned that Calgary was quite diverse for Canada. So Mm -hmm. it definitely, I saw that it wasn't all white men. And then I noticed a lot of not as many office jobs there, like a lot of people in like owners of their own businesses and stuff like Mm. that. Maybe it's because of universal health care, right? Like Canada has that as well. And I don't even know what the industry is in Calgary. No idea. No idea. Apparently, it was all over the place. And Hmm. the one thing that I was expecting from Janice's post is more cowboy boots, and I did not see that. So maybe I was not swiping long enough. You know, it's the way she's described Calgary, it sounds very Southern. Yeah. The men are very traditional, and they're like traditional gender roles, and they're cowboys. (laughs) You know, I'm like... This sounds like Texas. I could see the traditional from what I saw, but I did Mm. not see the cowboy boots. But maybe it was just the people I ended up swiping at. Or maybe it's Hinge, you know, maybe for whatever reason, they're not going there as much. So then on to D.C., a lot of Jewish lawyers liked me. That was like my type Mm, that I kept getting. That's my type. (laughs) (laughs) But then in general, it was mostly white and black. But like there were some other like races, but I would say it was predominantly those two out of everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely more liberals than some of the other places I've been seeing. I still think SF might be more, like people might say that even more, but it was definitely prominent there as well. I mean, this isn't everyone, but I did notice more men with photos of their kids in profile pics Mm, there. Okay. So also just in general, like where people worked, it was like not pro- non-profit, public affairs, government, like all the stereotypical of DC it, stuff. That's the industry. But what I really loved about DC, and I might actually like of all the places I've been, I might put this at the top because of this. People just seem really smart and introspective. Like some of the answers mm. in the profiles just seemed like really like on point. I don't know. I noticed it was a noticeable difference than some of the other places. Mm, that's interesting. Finally, the last rundown is Miami. So a lot <laughs> the layover. Of, yep, very quick stay here. A lot of a lot of Latino, Hispanic people from South America. A lot of Jews also. I don't know if I'm just like noticing Jews because I'm Jewish, mm. but 
I did notice it. I guess South Florida does have that vibe also. Um, People were just like very like suave. Like they were attractive, (laughs) but it wasn't my type. Like it was a lot of like pose in front of a pool or ocean with my shirt Mm -hmm. off type pics. Yeah, just in general, people were very in shape and then also a variety of occupations. A lot of chefs are people that own their own business. Like it felt very vague. Mm. I didn't know what anyone really did. (laughs) Mm, Trust fund babies. Got it. Noted. (laughs) Own my own business. Or maybe there's something culturally there that you don't want to disclose it, especially if you are your own business owner, like because it's the internet. I don't know. Oh, I like to get to the bottom of this. Anybody (laughs) dating in Miami, please let us know what is this mystery of owning your own business and not disclosing what it is. So did you get any messages, interesting messages from both DC and Miami that you felt Um, were unique? To be honest, all the people started blending together by the end. Yeah, I think because I was doing it in too small of a time frame. And I just like haven't had time today to like look at where all these people are coming from. Nothing that's like stood out as a super interesting message is a lot of just like, you know, the basics of, hey there, how's your Sunday going? How are you coping with court? Oh, never mind. This guy asked me how I'm, I'm coping with this surprise rainstorm. I don't know. Where? No idea. Good question. <laughs> oh, it looks like he's in DC. Okay. You know the norm. Nothing like out of there was no one that I was like, oh my God, I must respond to. But also, I admit, like, if I was in the place, I probably would have replied to both of those people. I think just some of it has to do with, yeah. Yeah. But you you saw that in DC, their profiles were more introspective. Yeah. But their messages weren't as well thought out. No, it's the same old. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> Same old bullshit. So of the four places you went to, if you had to move to one of them, based on just your hinge experience, where would you go? Um, I'd probably say DC. Yeah? I think that okay. like matches my intellectual the importance of intellectual connection the most for me. The men were definitely the most attractive in uh Melbourne, Melbourne. or Sydney. Mm. Sydney they were like a little too much for me. <laughs> What's too much? Like, I think it was just like the amount of volume that I got there was oh, yeah. like a Everyone's little like intimidating. <laughs> or maybe it's because I look unique because I'm not from there. You know, right. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I guess I would say Melbourne because I did like the creative energy that a lot of them had or DC for the intellectual side. Cool. All right. So does this um, conclude your this experiment? Concludes. Okay. This concludes. And this is a lot of work, guys. That is a <laughs> lot of work. Are you jet lagged? Yeah, I'm very jet lagged. <laughs> what time zone are you on? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> the best is when you get like the messages. Like I told you last week, I got this one guy that reached out to me that I actually thought was really attractive. And I saw mm-hmm. he had a photo of Golden Gate Bridge. So I just mm-hmm. assumed he lived in SF. And he's like, wait, so you don't live in Denver? <laughs> like, like, damn it. Oh, I guess you don't live in SF. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, it was, it was fun. I think it was served a purpose. I guess my major takeaway from it is like, there's not really huge differences in terms of like, at least the way people interact. I think every city has its nuance in terms of the types of people there, for sure. An occupation, like there's certain cities that have known for certain industries and the type of people they attract. But mm-hmm. I don't think there was like a wildly like one city is better than the other. Maybe Sydney just out of pure volume, but I don't know if that would have mm. necessarily the quality to qu- the quantity to quality play was necessary. 
necessarily there either. There is also a, a huge difference between cities where people end up and cities where people grow up. Mm. You know, it's the transient cities versus the hometown cities. Like, I think Calgary is probably a hometown city. Yep. Most people are born and raised there, probably at generations there. But sure. somewhere like D.C., probably majority of them are transplants. So you're going to see a lot more diversity and maybe just more people who are introspective because they probably lived in multiple places. Yeah. I mean, know? it's so interesting because, like, someone actually put this in our Facebook group in a discussion. I'm like, this is so dead on. It's We talk about numbers game all the time Mm -hmm. and i think her post i might be butchering the exact statement but it was like women when they're using dating apps quantity isn't an issue but quality is Mm. and for men quality is easier like Mm -hmm. there's more quality women that they interact with but quantity is the challenge so we kind of have like the reverse challenges so yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting, I would love for like a man to do this, like a heterosexual man to get his perspective. So maybe if we have a brave audience member or listener that wants to take this on and give us the rundown, then we can put it out to the public. Yeah, maybe we can do, because we always had this idea of 50 dates and 50 states <laughs> back in the day when we first started Dateable, then maybe someone could actually take that on. Let's yeah. just try it out. Let's try 50 dates in 50 states we'll air your episode in two years <laughs> <laughs> no you just do a one date per state <laughs> you're done in 50 days 50 days uh speaking of 50 days we this episode is a rerun of um an episode we did on 50 first dates 51 with, first dates. oh 51 50 first dates, first dates yes. is the adam sandler movie that's that right they- yes for copyright issues 51 <laughs> first dates with liza and Kimmy. We had such a great time with them. Uh, We talked about basically what post-quarantine dating looks like, which at this point is like what I don't even know when post-quarantine could be, (laughs) but maybe it's like the transitional dating. The new normal, yeah. Mask wearing life. (laughs) What I, you know, what I really find interesting about Kimmy and Liza is they started the podcast based on a dating experiment, which we'll get into for our season 11, but we'll save that for later. Uh, But now they've basically concluded that experiment for themselves and they've gone on to just create this dating podcast now and it's fantastic. They're so fun. They're both uh, based in New York, except for Kimmy moved to LA recently. Um, So they're getting, you know, like we're getting that by coastal I don't know, insider info on what dating is like. But before we get to this bonus episode, I do, <laughs> I, I know you're all waiting for the would you rather reveal, right? We're all yes, waiting. Yes. So st- we started this last week. Every Wednesday, we would post a would you rather question on our Instagram and we have you vote. And then on this week, we reveal the answer. And last week, the question was, would you rather date someone who was like the stock market or who's like a savings account? Stock market meaning it's volatile, needs constant attention, but potential high returns or savings account, which is like low maintenance, (laughs) maybe low returns and doesn't need that much attention. And here's the result. 81% of you said savings account. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not super surprised by this because I think people ultimately want stability. Mm -hmm. But I also want to do this experiment mapped against how people actually behave. Because I would say (laughs) most people date the stock market when they're actually looking for a savings account. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like what people say and what they do is very different a lot of times. Because people get bored with the savings account and they like the energy of the stock market. But then when you're asked that question, you feel like you should say the savings account. Absolutely. If you're swiping on matches, you're not going to swipe on the profile that says I'm low maintenance. (laughs) You don't need to pay attention to me. I'm just super stable. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to swipe on the person who's like adventurous. Right. I like to be spontaneous and I like to, you know, take spontaneous trips. And you're like, yes, that's the one, (laughs) that crazy person. Uh, But, but you know that that's what the would you rather really is. It's like, it helps you uncover what, what are your preferences and does it actually um, is it consistent with your behavior? So this week I have another great one. So on Wednesday, which is if you're listening to the, this episode, once it comes out, it's Wednesday already, go on our Instagram at Datable Podcast. The questions there, vote, 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 vote. And we'll give you the results next week. Yes, love it. So yeah, follow us on Instagram. We hit 5K and we're hoping to grow it even more. We're super excited. And also our one other ask that we have every week is to leave that rating and review. It really, really does help us. And so many of you guys have already done this and it it's amazing. Like seeing those reviews come in like literally makes our day. But even just doing the rating, it takes one second. If you can leave us five stars, if you're truly enjoying this show, it helps us get amazing guests. And, you know, we're gearing up for season 11, which is next week. Like, I can't believe this ah! off season is already done. I feel like <laughs> we've been doing so much, but we have a great lineup and we'd love some even bigger names too. So help us do the rating and review. So when we reach out, they're like, yep, this is legit. I want to take my time and be on this show. And speaking of big names, Eliza Schlesinger, we still would like for you <laughs> yes. to be on our show. Eliza. And every week we will beg and plead for anybody who knows Eliza Schlesinger to reach out to her and be like, hey, have you heard the Dateable podcast? You should totally go on that show. <laughs> Those girls would be your BFFs, by the way. So that's our ultimate celebrity dream come true. If you do know Eliza or somehow know someone who knows her, please reach out to us. We will be forever grateful and we have a big surprise for you coming as well we will give you a prize can i throw in like one more low-key guest that we're trying to get oh my gosh can't have it all shan boudrum if anyone knows and has a connection to her she is a sexologist and Mm -hmm. just does like has a book called game of desire we would love to have her so we've reached out to her still awaiting that response so if anyone has that connection let's do it I am still a big fan of hers from Too Hot to Handle, (laughs) one of the best (laughs) reality TV shows on earth. Just just for anyone that doesn't know her, she is very, like, that was like... No, she's legit. She's legit. (laughs) She's probably like, why did I take that gig? But she is legit. (laughs) Okay, well, this this episode, which is a great bonus episode, is brought to you by two fabulous sponsors. Uh, You've all heard us talk about BetterHelp. You know, it's really about these unprecedented times. Some of us may be experiencing really crazy feelings that we it's hard to decipher what we're feeling. So BetterHelp has been there, especially for me, to help with I have this anxiety issue. I have sometimes depression. And it's just, it's great to know that BetterHelp 
has ensured that I'm not alone in this. They offer online counseling with professional, credible, and compassionate therapists in a safe and private environment. Their counselors specialize in depression, relationships, trauma, and many other areas. And with over 3,000 U.S. licensed professionals across all 50 states, they make it easier than ever to find help. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So now for Dateable listeners only, you get 10% 10% off your first month with the code DATEABLE. Get started today by going to betterhelp.com slash DATEABLE. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Simply fill out the questionnaire to assess your needs, and then you get matched with a suitable counselor. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash DATEABLE, and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 10% off your first month. Our second sponsor... <laughs> So many, so many good ones this week. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by another fabulous book called The Rebellious Rancher. Here's the plot, Julie. You ready? After his wait. father, after his father decides to leave the ranch to his older brother, Ben Miller struggles to deal with his resentment. When he's invited to develop a trail riding experience on the Morgan's Dude Ranch, Ben jumps at the chance. Soon he's assigned a mysterious client, an actress whose family secretly wants her removed from influences of L.A. Ben's determined to teach her to fend for herself, but he quickly discovers she's more than a pampered pretty face. The Rebellious Rancher is the third Western romance in the Millers of Morgan Valley, a spinoff of Kate Pierce's successful Morgan Ranch series. The series focuses on a neighboring family with their own ranch and problems of the heart. The Rebellious Rancher by Kate Pierce is available wherever books are sold. And for more information, just visit kensingtonbooks.com. Sounds mm. juicy. <laughs> Rebellious rancher. RR. <laughs> okay, shall we get to our episode? Let's do it with Liza and Kimmy. 51 first dates. Hey, everybody. Now we are so excited to be joined by Julie and UA of the Dateable Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you thanks. for having us. Thanks so much for having us. And I, my video just went away. I have no idea why. Sorry. That's <laughs> fine. It's a new era of podcasting, I feel. <laughs> I'm so much happier, though. I don't have to stare at myself and be awkward. It's all the gremlins. I, I swear to God, every day brings a new technological thing in my life that doesn't work because I'm just using so much more technology. So, um, so true. You know, it, it, kumbaya, it happens. <laughs> I've been trying to adopt a Zen attitude and just stuff will work when it works, I guess. Um, we're thrilled to have you guys. We're going to talk about all things your podcast. We're going to talk about dating. We're going to talk about maybe easing back into dating now that restrictions have lifted, potentially. We're going to talk about normal, non quarantine dating. We're going to do it all. But uh, we always like to, to introduce our listeners to our guests by asking for a worse first date story. Do you guys have any good ones? So many. (laughs) I feel like my entire year of 2012, I feel like (laughs) that was a weird year. Other than 2020, that's been the weirdest year. (laughs) That's when Tinder first came out. So I think there's a little bit of a correlation, but I won't draw any conclusions. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the one that stands out to me, there was one guy that I was talking to that he actually lived in um, San Jose, which is like a neighboring city to San Francisco where I'm based. 
or both of us are based. And he, you know, like normally I typically had been dating people that lived in the city, but I was trying to expand my horizons and meet more people. So he had told me that he wanted to come up and meet me. We hadn't really had much communication before this. So I was like, I was down, but I was also like, oh, like, what if this is a bummer? This guy had to travel like an hour to meet me. But he told me that he was going to meet up with friends first. So I kind of felt like alleviated by that. But there was still not really like a set plan, even though we knew that we were meeting up Friday night. But he told me he was like on the train. He told me that he was going to like meet a friend first for drinks. And then just like progressively kept messaging me that he like was moving from bar to bar. And his like text started to get like more slurred. And at one point I was like, is this date actually happening? Like, should I just call it? Because it feels like he's getting like kind of drunk. And then eventually, like right when I was having this moment of like clarity of should I do this? He sends me a message with like a concrete plan. And it was like a pretty like nice upscale bar. So I was like, okay, I'll just meet him. Like we've already come this far. (laughs) So I show up. And he is like obliterated. Like I have never seen someone this drunk and he literally could not stare past my boobs. Like his eyes were just like on my boobs and I just continued the date, but I had like friends that were dining like around the corner. So I was basically just like waiting for them to finish their meal. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to cut out once they're ready. So I can just like continue the night because it was like a Friday night. So I stayed there and I'm also like a pretty curious person, which is probably why I do this podcast. So (laughs) I just kept kind of going with it. This guy was just like, I feel like we have such a connection. Like this is such a bond. Like he was just like really thinking like I was the one. And eventually it like got to a point that I had to like put him in an Uber I mean, I think it was actually a cab at the time. This was so long ago. But I had to, like, put him in there to get to the train station because he could not physically walk. Like, he was just so done. So, yeah, that was a moment. And then the next day he, like, messaged me being like, I felt like there was a really real connection, but I think I might have butchered it. So he owned it, at least. I I do respect that response. (laughs) And I must say, you captured two of the biggest themes that happened in these first first date stories, like, high high levels of intoxication absolutely inappropriate inebriation and then also one person being on a totally different page from the other like in terms of thinking it went okay or well it sounds like you know he actually understood that it wasn't great but yeah (laughs) did you message him back did you continue the conversation or were you like i'm good on this you know i'm very much a non-ghosting person so i think i messaged him back and just was like yeah you kind of were, you know, <laughs> and made it clear that it probably wasn't going to happen again. Because honestly, like, I, I mean, it was just not the best first way to meet someone, but also like we just didn't have much in common either. Yeah. Like, it was just, yeah, all of it. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, stands out all these years later, though. So oh, boy, I surely remember that story, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets old every time you tell it. It's um, the worst feeling to be sober and sitting across from a super drunk person and being like, well, this is my problem for the next 45 minutes. You yeah. know, like, I, there's, like I, what can I do here? I mean, it's like- honestly, if it was current day, I probably just would have like left earlier and I would have gone home and just like met my friends out like in an hour. Like, why did I need to subject myself to that? But I don't know. In the moment, it was kind of interesting slash entertaining. So, yeah, who knows? totally. Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. 
This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC. THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the walls. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> and then you, what about you? Do you have a, do you have a worse first? Oh, yes. Uh, I, I don't know if this is like a worst dating story or one of the best. I think it's one of the worst and best of my dating career. This was back in New York. Julie knows the story too. I've actually told it on our podcast. I was in New York. I met this guy on a job or something. He was there doing something on the client side. And he asked me to hang out 
for drinks one night. So I was like, sure, let's do it. So he asked to hang out at 6 p.m. And I got to the bar and he said, I have till seven. So I'm like, awesome. I only have one hour time limit. And then he proceeded to tell me that I can order anything off the happy hour menu, which was, um, I believe, five selections of wine that were 50% off. (laughs) uh, uh, But he said it in a manner that was like, you know, he was very generous, like, feel free to order anything off of this menu in particular. And at about 630, because I checked my time, uh, he said to me, you know, this isn't a date, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I what, what is it? A support group or what? Are you just getting to new, uh, know a new friend? And he said, no, this is a meeting of the minds. When I met you, I knew that we would have some very brainy conversations. Yeah, <laughs> I want to throw up. Wow. <laughs> a gay, sexy. So I want to sleep with you now. And at seven on the dot, he said he needed to leave. So he left. <laughs> so what, what was the best part of this night was the bar manager comes over after this guy leaves. And he said, did I just witness that thing, that whole thing go down? Did he just ask you for a meeting of the minds and on a date? And I was like, oh, hell yeah. That's what was said. So he said, call up two of your best girlfriends and the whole night's on me. Free drinks, free food. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. We, we stayed there till like 2 a.m. Just drinking and eating and having a grand old time. I'm that's obsessed. fantastic. And then you dated the bar owner, right? <laughs> right. And now we're married. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I mean, he sounds like a gem. So let's marry him. Or Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or just, I don't know, one night stand. He deserved it. <laughs> God, those moments give me faith in humanity. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And yeah, I think when you said the worst date, but it's also the best date. I was like, what is this going to be? But that is the best version of that happening, I think. Right. (laughs) It really turned around for me. Oh my God. So for, you know, before we dive into just talking about dating, for our listeners who are not familiar with our podcast, Julian Yue, would you share a little bit about kind of where you're at in terms of dating, uh, what your relationship to dating has been in the past, present, future, whatever you want to share that you feel like would be important context. We have a lot of single listeners. Um, yeah. Yeah, just about our own personal relationships. Yeah, right now. And, you know, I again, it's so cheesy, but I'm like, what's your relationship to relationships? <laughs> like, you know, what's yeah, your dating I mean- life been like? <laughs> Honestly, like we've been doing this podcast for four years uh, and throughout those four years, there's been a lot of change in both of our lives. Like I started off when we first started this podcast in a relationship that was like the love of my life and then it ended and from there was kind of back into the single scene and dating, but also navigating heartbreak at the same time. And honestly, this podcast was like totally therapeutic at that because it was we really started the podcast about just hearing about people's stories. And what we found was that no one is really alone in their stories. Like everyone is going through the same things. And I think where it's evolved over the, over the four years and where I think I've also evolved is that it's so much more than that. Like there's just like a change of our society right now when it comes to dating. And that's only going to continue like in a post COVID-19 and black lives matter worlds. Like things are just, 
constantly in flux and there's just no right one right way to have a relationship anymore and no run one right way to date and I think one of the things that we've learned from the podcast is one that everyone's just on their own personal journey and there's the ups and downs with dating it's just part of the course and you kind of need to go through it in order to get to like where you want to be and then where you want to be isn't necessarily like one linear path like it was in the past it was oh, you get married, you have kids, and that like that could be your path, but doesn't need to be your path. And I think what we've learned too is just, this is really like one of the benefits, we all like bitch about modern dating, about like the downsides and the fails and like the ghosting and all that. But one of the benefits of it is that there's so much opportunity and so many ways to meet people that it allows us to really create the love lives that we want and not just subscribe to whatever was told for us. So personally for me, I think, I mean, I've gone, had different relationships throughout the podcast. I've reconnected with the my ex over quarantine too, the one that I mentioned earlier, like, and even like went through that reconnection, I had changed so much from when we first dated. And he was like, wow, you're really good at this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing a dating podcast for the last four years. So I think there's just a lot of self evolution that happens. That Was that the ex you reconnected with over quarantine? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, All right. But yeah. you decided... Okay, I I mean, you you can go listen to Dateable to hear more about that, but we can talk about it too. I mean, we've had just like, it's been like, just I'll touch on it really quick, but it's like been one of those situations where there was just a lot going on in his life. And I think when I first was with, with dating, I'm like, oh, you just need to meet someone. And if two people love each other, it just works out. And what I've learned along the way is that that is not the case a lot of the times. Like we had Mark Manson, who's a very famous mm-hmm. author on ours, our podcast. And he talked about how like love is just not enough. Like there's so much other external things happening and love can be the most amazing thing, but it doesn't always solve all the problems. And I think my ex and I really, we both really wanted to make it work, but just like ultimately, and like we've tried so many times and this like quarantine time was kind of like that okay, we are like doing this or we're not like we're getting married, like we're going on the path to getting married or we're not doing this because we can't keep like doing the back and forth. So I think quarantine was great for us because it was a way that we could like air it all out in a way that wasn't getting the physical mixed in. Yeah, no, that's that's so interesting. And then you, you're in a relationship, correct? Yes, I am. But this whole evolution of our podcast has been like a relationship in itself. (laughs) I think in the beginning with any relationship, it's all about storytelling. You're trying to catch up about each other's lives and just trying to entertain each other. And I would say our earlier seasons were that. And then it became like group therapy. And that's when you get deeper into a relationship where you're like trying to be vulnerable and divulge a lot of information. But at our current stage, at our podcast, which is also my current stage in my relationship, is kind of like looking at the consequences of our actions and then how that, what are the sociological implications of that? And that's just a very, uh, I guess, scientific or technical way of saying like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? And how do we unravel some of these limiting beliefs that we have? And it's so relevant to everything that's going on in the world right now. Because if you think 
about like what you, what you girls have talked about on your podcast too, is it's not just about dating. It spans so much wider than that. Mm -hmm. It goes into every aspect of your life and how you were grow, how you were raised, how your mindset has been, um, you know, how you've been conditioned to think certain things. And now's the time to question why, 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 why do we do the things we do? Yeah. I think also like we're UA and I are both in our like mid to late thirties. So we kind of straddle like this, like old school way of thinking with new school way of thinking. So we're elder millennials. And I think like one of the challenges like UA brought up is like unraveling and then figuring out like what traditions serve you and what rules don't, right? Like, why are we dating in certain ways? Like, is that just because we think we should do it? Our parents have that expectation. Society has that expectation versus like, what do we actually want? Yeah, I really loved when you spoke about that recently on your podcast. Like, do you actually want a relationship? Which we've tried to kind of unpack for listeners too. What do you think, you know, for someone who's not sure if they want a relationship? Like if you – and you can each have a different piece of advice. But what's like the biggest indicator you maybe don't actually want one or you just want one for kind of a societal reason? I mean, I think if you're forcing yourself, like if you feel like you genuinely, like, I think, you know, when you want a relationship, when you want to be meeting people, like you want to be sharing your life with someone, if you're just going through the motions and like you're swiping because you feel like you have to, you're going on dates because you feel like you have to, I think that's a sign. Or if you're canceling dates last minute because you'd rather go out with your girlfriends or guy friends, whatever, like, I think that is a real telltale sign. There were years that I thought I wanted a relationship. And I remember my best friend being like, are you sure you want a relationship? Because your actions like don't really follow suit. Like I was hooking up with a guy friend of mine that I thought like was the one yet he was telling me that like he did not want a relationship in any form. So anyone that wanted a relationship would be like, this is not a viable partner. Yet, wow, that just resonated. Like, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. And that I think me like, forever. <laughs> when you're in that mi- and where I was is that I was in this mindset of like, I must win him over. Like I must like make this work. And I think when you're in that mindset and when it's coming from ego versus like my last relationship I mentioned, like even though we didn't end up working out, like we both always just wanted the best for each other. Like we just mm-hmm. cared and loved about loved each other so much. And I think that's when you know it's a relationship versus like you're going through the motions. Yeah, so true. I think it's about finding, just look at the evidence. You can say one thing, but then look at your actions and then really journal your actions that you've been doing. If you say you want a relationship, are you actually communicating that on when you go on dates? Or are you the one that's like, no, I'm the cool chick. I don't need a relationship. You know, we can keep things casual for now, which is what a lot of people do because they're so afraid of wasting what they want. And then also, like, do your actions really match what you say you're trying to put out there? Mm-hmm. If you say you want a relationship, are you still putting out these actions that you want something casual or that you're afraid or that you don't actually know what a good relationship looks like? It's just you just have to look at the evidence in, in yourself and you'll know. Yeah, yeah totally. Works. I also think that that doing that work and self-examination can show you that also, maybe you, if you think you want a relationship, 
if you want it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. which is to like enrich and fulfill your life versus like mm-hmm. I'm X age and I would like my parents to stop worrying about if I'll ever get married. You know, there's a lot of like I'm sure all of us have talked about a lot of bullshit about yes. like why we should all be in relationships and how we're uh like worthless uh witches if we're not you know yeah <laughs> i think a lot and of- it's hard to parse those things it's like i mm-hmm. str- still struggle with it i think a lot of it shows up in the way you talk to like i totally agree it's the actions but we had a guest on our show say that like are you constantly complaining that you're single because if you're saying that you're emphasizing the single piece you're not emphasizing the relationship piece and i think like to your point, Liza, like one of the things that I remember, like when I said I always wanted a relationship, I was, my number one thing was like a guy that would get along well with my friends that I could go out with and bring him along and do this stuff. And looking back on that, I'm like, that is like not a reason to be in a relationship. Like I'm looking for someone to just be in like this single like life stage with me. And I think when your priorities shift to being like, I want to be with this person because I enjoy spending so much time with them, that's when there's a difference of what you're actually looking for. Completely. I was talking to my friend the other night who has been single for a while and like very all about it. And uh, she was saying... She was like, I just want to be in love right now. Like, I want to, and I was like, I feel like that's such a great thing of how it should feel. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. she was thrilled, like, thriving in her single life for a while. And she was like, all of a sudden, I was just like, oh, I want to fall in love with someone. I want to love them so much. Right. I was like, oh, that's like, yeah, I think that's such a, exactly what you're saying. Like, if it's the, the, I think you can listen to those impulses and hear some truths. Mm hmm. Amen. Um, just to, to backtrack a little bit, can you talk to us a little bit about like what the inspiration was to start your podcast? Uh, it was not a dating experiment, but, it, <laughs> but it, it definitely was this. We had a meeting of the minds. I think we, Julie and I met through a former company that Julie used to run, uh, which was facilitating in real life connections over brunch. And we met at one of her brunches. And we saw each other uh, a few other times after that. And every time we would talk about our dating lives. So, well, backstory is I I was brand new to San Francisco never lived in San Francisco as an adult. And Julie had been in San Francisco for most of her adult life. So she only known dating through San Francisco lens. And I had no idea what what I was getting myself into. And at that time, things were changing so much in modern dating. I couldn't keep up. And I was a former dating coach and I couldn't even keep up. I actually quit coaching after coming to San Francisco because I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. <laughs> and so Julie and I, I decided that we really should put our perspectives and share these stories in an audio format, just purely for entertainment in the beginning. And also just for us to parse out like what exactly was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And how how would you guys categorize San Francisco dating? I feel like I don't know. I don't, there's not a stereotype that jumps to my mind with San Francisco dating. You know there's what's one that funny? jumps to my mind. <laughs> oh, I wanna, maybe I'll say what we think first and then I want to hear what your stereotype is. Just yes. so no, I want, I know I want to hear the stereotype <laughs> okay, fine, first. Fine. Okay, okay, first. Tell I've never lived there. This is just like, you know, now I'm in LA and like friends who have lived there. I'm just, I'm like, I feel like there's like, 
hiking dates with tech bros in Patagonia's. Like that's what I'm picturing, <laughs> and they're they're really into like their fancy apartment. Like I don't know. I have that is just like the Silicon Valley stereotype. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably being unfair, but. I feel like, I don't know, we do get listeners writing about San Francisco as though it's mm-hmm. better than New York and LA, but also difficult in some ways. So actually, I'm taking it back a little bit. I'm <laughs> See, Tell me, experts, no, tell me. You know what's funny <laughs> is when we first started this, it was about dating in San Francisco. I feel like we've pivoted so much over the years and just, I shouldn't say pivot, but we've evolved over the years. And I think it was that I had been in San Francisco for 10 years. So like I'm originally from Boston, but most of my adult dating life has really been in San Francisco. And like UA mentioned, she was new here. And initially we thought it was a very unique scene compared to other places in the country. And I think it is in some ways, and I think it isn't in others. I think why it's unique is that things tend to happen here first. Like all the dating apps are kind of incubated here. Like technology is like at the forefront of everything we do in SF, hence your kind of stereotype here. <laughs> Sorry. But guys. I think there's I do also, love so there is that stereotype. But then there's this also stereotype of like, you know, like summer of love, just like gay rights first. Like we've always been kind of like this non-cultural norm. Like we're kind of like the counter capital culture of the world of the world. Like San Francisco people like do what they want to do. And I think we've challenged a lot of traditional relationships first, like polyamory and open relationships while they're visible other places. Like I know in New York and LA, like they're definitely growing. And even like we've heard of just like places in the South where you would never expect it. It's definitely happening and growing, but in San Francisco it was very out in the open and like, except like we, went to like a sex party that this group, um, basically a community for people that are in non-monogamous relationships, they like have these communities that allow people to come together and meet each other. And it's on a Facebook group. So it's like pretty public in a way, like it's a private group, but that's pretty out there where I think a lot of other cultures in the United States might be a little more behind closed doors. You know what I mean? So I think there is that, but The other side of it is the same problems happened everywhere. Like, I think we we quickly realized that this was not like just San Francisco. Like people are experiencing the same things. And a lot of it's just because gender roles are changing or technology now, like dating apps, like used to be like a thing first in SF, but now it's everywhere. Like that's the primary way to meet people. So it's, there's some differences, but there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, I think, you know, it's everywhere where you you think are the stereotypes of dating in that city, it's just the same thing with a different face. Yeah. So the tech bro with the Patagonia vest, you know, hiking in San Francisco, that kind of date definitely exists. It's the same as the LA dater who's hiking Runyon Canyon sharing their screenplays and the New Yorker hiking on the High Line um, in their Canada Goose. It's no, like it's so true. The same, <laughs> right? It's the same date, just with a different package. But what we experience, it's all the same. Like the same complaints are in every city. And that's the problem with dating is that people think it's their city. It's so not. It's them. Yeah. <laughs> it's them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. And and men. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but I think that it's true. There are, we had some expert on who basically, you know, we were asked who had lived in a lot of cities and we asked what the most difficult city to date 
which city was the most difficult to date in. And she was like, everyone thinks their city is the most difficult mm-hmm. to date in. Mm-hmm. And I think about that all the time because it's true. It's just, no, dating's really hard. And people, some people weren't raised well. And some people are horrible communicators. And some people just were never, aren't confident in themselves, not even nefariously or anything like that. Um Mm-hmm. You know what, Eliza and Kimmy, you two have a global audience too. I mean, you have listeners from all over the world, so you've probably seen that it's not even just a U.S. thing; yeah. it's all over the world. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. That's a good reminder. Yeah, when we get emails from like Sweden or yep. you know, exactly. Australia, yeah. and you're same like, here, we're like, wow, it's yeah. the same shit. <laughs> you know what's interesting though is there. I think the people will always say like we have a lot of men in San Francisco that are trying to pack their bags. A few of them actually just got stopped because of COVID nineteen but we're ready to move across the country (laughs) to be with more women so they think it's like the quantity Mm. thing and Mm. it's interesting the whole ratios and I'm sure like you guys at I mean Liza you're currently there but like as living in New York you sure you've experienced this too and I do think there's some like some significance to it like I went to a college that was 70% women and it definitely changed the dating dynamics. I'm not going to say that it didn't, but I also think that it doesn't necessarily solve it just by going somewhere that's more like, for example, like Denver, that's like, it's called nickname Menver, right? But there is actually <laughs> like studies that Denver is like one of the worst places to date because men and women are so separated. Like men put very little effort into like dating whatsoever. So it's not always about, the numbers like that doesn't tell the whole story like in San Francisco there's more men than women but there's a lot of gay men there's a lot of like young like tech bros that have moved here that are in their like early 20s and there's a lot of like single women in like their mid to late 30s like that's just not a match right so it's not always about the numbers completely and i feel like new york has such a the exact obvious opposite reputation of just like i mean this is fully just sex in the city um nonsense downloaded into our brains but uh, just that it's filled with single women and there's no single men and while you do feel that sometimes i also think i happen to think new york's a great city to date in because ev- almost everybody i know who has woken up and been like okay i'm ready to take dating seriously has been able to meet so many people right and mm. mostly find someone who they at least can like and connect with and have any length of relationship with. You know, any most people I know who have like sat down and been like, this is my moment, I'm going to do it, have found somebody that they like enough to date for a couple months at least. And <laughs> yeah. that means there's plenty of single men. And you just pointed it's the mindset. It's so the mindset. Like you can be anywhere, but if you're not changing and working on yourself, then it doesn't really matter where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. How do you both think the mind, like how can people thinking about dating again as things open up, like how can they keep like this new mindset in mind? Because I feel like this country is going through like a massive change that I hope, you know, really creates and drives some change, you know, of course with COVID and being quarantined. But I also think with Black Lives Matter and the recent events in this country, like I just think people's mindsets are going to be shifting in lots of ways. I'm just curious what you how you think the dating mindset might shift. You don't have to exactly correlate them because I know that's a weird ask, but I just feel like we're all valuing different things. So if you had any thoughts. 
Yeah, I think there was a recent Kinsey Institute study that was put out from, um, conducted a study of a diverse range of adults from 18 to 81, so very diverse. And they found that the majority of the people who've entered into some sort of relationship or try to date during COVID are experiencing like more open-mindedness. So they're open to trying new things. And that could just be finding virtual pleasure, like sexting and virtual sex parties are really hot right now because it's kind of like, what, what's your alternative? And also um, six in 10 people have said that they've talked to someone outside of their usual type which I think is absolutely fantastic. So I think one way to think about how these benefits were what our learnings can last even post-COVID is this open-mindedness and how we approach our perspective on life in general. And I think a lot of people have implemented this open-mindedness and for for them to see the results of it, because I think people are getting um, more interesting matches or having more interesting conversations, they'll see that because the benefits prove that open-mindedness can yield better benefits, I think they'll keep it up even post-COVID. And I think especially with Black Lives Matter, it's made us all like reevaluate some of these like constructs and things that we've like subconsciously felt. Like I know for myself, like I'm back on apps after this breakup and I had to go in and be like, what do I even have on my preferences? Like race, cause there's yeah. still apps that do racial yeah. preferences. And I'm like, fuck this, I'm opening it up to everyone, right? And just like yeah. letting mm-hmm. it be. So I think this openness is really gonna start to trickle down like UA was just saying. And I think also, especially during quarantine, a lot of us have had a lot of time to reflect because you know we've had just that downtime, like, if we've been healthy throughout the whole thing. And then also like, I think some of us might come out and say, yep, a relationship actually isn't what I wanted. Like maybe I was thriving and being single and living alone and I'm loving it or I'm with roommates and I'm super happy. And that's great if that's kind of what you came out with. And maybe you might not be kind of as actively pursuing dating apps and some of the things that you once were because you're clear on your intentions. But then I think there's a lot of us that have realized that like life is short like love really is the most important thing in, in life and like your relationships really do matter. And I think that's going to cause people that are just more relationship minded or maybe people that were on the edge to kind of refocus some priorities and then really start to date a little more intentionally. Yeah, no, I think yeah. I, I, I can see that intentional. I hope everything, everyone's a bit kinder, more open-minded, more intentional with dating um, or just, I guess, takes care of each other as dating goes back to some new normal. Um, I also think it's going to be hard to have, you know, so much of your initial conversations in dating is so surface level and that's fine. You Mm -hmm. know, like I don't advocate for being sitting down at a bar texting on or, you know, app chatting and being like, so how do you, what's your relationship with your mother? You know, like it doesn't even be (laughs) intense, but I also think that a lot of people are more emotionally available right now because mm-hmm. there's all of this crazy shit happening in the world and I know that like every time I talk to any friend the first thing I say is like how are you like how are you doing right. like not just like hey how's it going but like mm-hmm. how are you doing as a human right now this like and I think it's hard not to get to a deeper place or maybe not a deeper place a more vulnerable place earlier right now because you have to talk about the world it's like that's right. what's on all of our minds mm-hmm. I mean I just did a phone date the other last week 
And we spent like the whole time talking about like Black Lives Matter because it was obviously so present. And at the end of the date, I was like, you know, I mean, this was first on phone. We're, we're regressing to video this week. So, you know, it's happening, yes. but <laughs> trying to take baby steps. But I like that. I think that's actually, I mean, that's actually a benefit of taking like a little more time to get to know people. So when you actually do show up and meet them, you're like excited about it or you've saved yourself time. But I think what, just back to the conversation is we did spend a lot of time just talking about like current state of the world. And at the end, when I got off the call, I'm like, did that go well or did it not go well? Because like, I don't really know, like it wasn't like the traditional date, but I'm like, okay, like I've learned so much about this person and what their values are. Like that's Mm -hmm. so much more important than like where they go, what bars they go to and like what sports they watch. Like when you really think about like compatibility long-term. Yeah. I really think we're almost in our own experiment of the bachelor or bachelorette where we're kind of like in this <laughs> in this uh, other universe where we have no other distractions and we're really trying to get to know like that one bachelor that we the only bachelor that we you know that we can talk to but the other kind of psychological impact on um, virtual dating is video dating and how it's affecting the way we see ourselves so I know in your quarantine episode you two talked about putting a sticky note over your face because sometimes when you do video dates, you only look at yourself. But what psychologists have found super interesting is that when you see yourself on a video call, you see yourself reflected back at you and you know, when you're BSing because you, because you know, you see it in your eyes, you see it in your own, in your own freaking reflection. So I think what's happening with virtual dating is that people are starting to, to, tear down their walls and say, this is not the way I want to present myself on the date. All those other times I was BSing through a date or trying to, trying to give off this perception of myself. That's so not me. I'm letting that go because I'm now seeing the true self. Hmm. I'm sort of mind blown. Yeah, it could be a good thing to have to stare at yourself on a date, like for every single person who's dated ever. I don't know. And I agree. I I think it's very distracting because yes, you are focusing on yourself quite a bit, but there is something to be said about just accepting the person you see reflected back. And can you live with that person on screen? Like, are you happy with what you see talking and the way she's, she's reacting and presenting herself. I mean, I think video dates are very challenging, but that being said, I think I'm happy that they're finally having their moment. Like we've been talking about video dates for years and so many apps have been trying to make video dates happen. Like we actually had an app that we like did an experiment with like three years ago that's out of business because video date did not video dating did not take off but now it's definitely having their moment like who would have thought zoom would be the one to like solve it but it's happening <laughs> and I think though it's it was ch- like at the beginning of quarantine everyone was all about doing the video dates and then it really died off real fast and I think what ended up happening was people got discouraged because they were like when am I actually going to meet this person? This feels like a gigantic waste of time. Not to mention there's just so many emotions that were happening. It's, it's hard to meet new people at that time. But I think now that we're like going into like this new normal or whatever we're calling it, I don't know how I feel about that word, but we're going there with the new society, whatever it's happening. I think video dating could actually be really great for us because it can, like I mentioned a little earlier, for me, the best dates I've had have been the ones that I've been excited to go to, 
not the ones that I feel like I'm forcing myself to go to. And like, there was a period that I literally wouldn't even put someone's like name in my phone because I'm like the odds of me actually seeing this person again. Like I'm not going to actually even take that two seconds to put their name in because I most likely will never talk to them again. That is a terrible mindset to be going into a date. Like now I try to really put their name like first and last if I can, like this is someone that I'm excited to meet. And I think by having the video dates first, it will let us do that filtering that we often say we'll do, but we don't because everyone's like, well, we just need to meet in person and see. And I think it will just let us be a lot more focused while also giving us the options, which is a benefit of dating apps, but not letting us get bogged down in those options. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we do phone interviews before any job right. ever calls us. You know, I think it's the same. It's like it does also if you if you do want to be intentional about dating, it is a lot of time and a lot of energy. You can get fatigue. You can get worn out. I think it's a good way to just turn the dial down on that a little bit. In terms of technicalities of dates, how do you both see like dates themselves evolving? We were like, wow, like meeting at a crowded bar and sitting next to each other on stools feels like a thing of the past or the distant future. Mm -hmm. I think people are going to get really creative. I was reading some stories about about people doing social distancing picnics, Mm -hmm. social distanced uh, jogs. It just something about meeting up in person, but still keeping that social distance and slowly inching your way closer and closer with each date. I, I, I really do think that is the new way of dating is, is when your mortality is at stake and when you're thinking about um, the health of yourself and others, that's, that's a very powerful consequence of what you're doing. So I think everyone will think twice before meeting up with someone in person. I think COVID-19 has ruined fuckboys completely because like you can't just, you know, do the bare minimum anymore. Like you have to put in effort. Like there was this meme on, I think that was like circulating Twitter or Twitter post that was like, hey, like, I can't just get the hey text from you anymore when there's a guy like serenading me over Zoom or like planning that picnic. And it's really requiring people to step it up a bit. And I think also a surefire way to see someone's intentions, like what we're supposed to, I know quarantine has been lifted a lot of places, but coronavirus has not gone away. Like there is still this in the air, like it's still happening. We're still supposed to be socially distancing. Like if you get someone on a dating app just being like, let's hook up or like DTF, That is like a huge red flag that you can identify immediately. And I think this is going to really let like the cream of the crop rise up in the people that are intentional to do it and probably do more day dates, do more sober dates. Like there's ways to obviously do like drinks to go, at least in San Francisco, I don't know about other cities, but we can do our drinks to go, which has been nice. But you're not, you're probably not going to be like drinking as much when you have to like grab a couple drinks and bring them to a park, for example. You're not going to be like binge drinking the way that we did on dates. So I think it will also bring more clarity and intention. Like you always had this term like sober first kiss of like the way to like really gauge uh, chemistry. And it's been so hard for that to actually go into practice because we're never sober on dates, but maybe now we will be. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to really like someone to not really like, but really you have to have some trust in someone to 
go to their house and put your mouth yes. on their mouth because right? you yes. have to be able to say like, hey, have you been being careful? Have you been wearing a mask? Like, you know, are we going to consciously take this risk together? Is it are we at that stage? Which I know as a human who, you know, sorry, mom, went home with some gentleman cars, <laughs> his last names. I didn't know. Like, that, that's not on your mind. You know, I, you know, it, the one thing, though, it's like this is something that happened to me. And I think people need to be careful for is false intimacy that comes from video dates. Like I went on a date. This was like right before coronavirus, like really started to hit. And we had done like a couple phone calls. We never actually did video. And by the time we actually met, he was like, oh, this is like our third date. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. And he had this expectation that we were like going to go home together. And I'm like, wait, we are not on the same page at all. So I think there is some of that that comes in. And like, also being mindful of things like I actually said this to UA, and I'm so glad this didn't happen, because I did feel like I built up so much rapport with this guy that I'm like, would it actually be safer for me to go like have him come over than to go to a bar. This was like right when the cusp of everything shutting down, but in no, like no worlds would I ever just invite a stranger into my home. So I think it's like, especially with day dates that might spill over and there's nowhere you can go, you might start to like progress things a little faster than you would have in normal world. So I think there, that's something to watch out for. Yeah, that's interesting. The ho- like one person's home, especially if they live alone, becomes a lot safer than a bar. And then um, this is kind of a pivot, but I'm curious if there's like <laughs> what I, I don't even know our answer to this. So it's a little unfair, but is there a really difficult dating question you get a lot that is just kind of like the hardest question you get or the one you like feel like is the most difficult to answer? Oh, Look at that, Kimmy. I mean, I that thought of this a... earlier because I was trying to think of it like I wanted to ask you, but I also wanted to figure it out from our perspective. So I can try to brainstorm if you want to think about it. <laughs> I can answer the easiest one we get first sure. while we're yes, thinking that's about good it. Too. I think anytime someone goes into extreme details about something that's happening in their life with another person, always the answer is, have you talked to them first? Like before you reply to like have us give it way in because we don't really know what the other person is thinking. This is only your perspective. And so many times that initial conversation has not happened. So I think before you start asking external people, I mean, this is a relationship that means relating to each other, like have those conversations first. So I, I kind of pivoted your question to make no, it No, it's fine. It's kind of an annoying question. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> give people like, a little extra. You may think while I answered. Well, I think there are a lot of tough questions we've gotten throughout the years. One of them is always this, at what point do you give up trying and, yes. uh, and or say that we need to try harder in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? I think a lot of relationships come to that point. Well, should we do something more and fight for each other more? Or are we just not compatible? Like, what is that breaking point? And then the other question we also get is the flip side, because we do have a lot of listeners who don't have much relationship experience. So it's similar to what we talked about earlier. It's how do I know I want a relationship? And once I get into one, how can I be good at it? 
And this goes into just further education, you know, like this is something we don't ever learn in college or in school. Our parents don't teach us how to have good relationships. And that's why our podcasts are so important just to share these perspectives and learnings for, for people who've never done relationships before. Yeah, I think the ones that have multiple ways of answering the question, like there's not that clear cut path. And that really comes down to it needs, you need to reflect on the full story here. And I think there are certain scenarios, like I 100% resonate, even for myself, what you just said, UA is like, when do you know when to keep trying versus not? And there's like a bunch of different permutations of that question mm-hmm. of I could go this way or this way. And a lot of that really comes down to your gut and you knowing the whole story. And, you know, like it's people have different scenarios on this like there's like the sliding doors I don't know if you guys have seen that movie that like no matter what path you take you'll end up in the same place or whatever path you take is the right choice for you and really no one knows including yourself if the choice is right or not like sometimes it just comes down to like a gut instinct and how you're feeling yeah like following one's gut feels like the most important thing in dating broadly to me intuition Uh, yeah that intuition so now you have to answer that i know i was thinking about it i i agree no i was thinking about i think that like the hardest question for us as well would be kind of that how do i know if i should continue on in this just in this in Mm -hmm. a very similar way like whether that's early on in the date um or in the dating or you know in a relationship but another hard one we get just because and I think it probably comes from our standpoint as, at being like, Kimmy went on dates and it worked for her, which is because of me and where I was at in my life. I think another hard question we get or when just like people are feeling really hopeless because mm-hmm. of maybe the location they're in or the mm-hmm. responses they're getting on apps. And it's like, it's so heartbreaking because it's it kind of relates to do you actually want a relationship or not. But there are definitely amazing listeners of our podcast who have gone on all these dates and really put in the effort and – that's that's the that's a tough question in a different way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. yeah i also think the hardest question we've ever got i think the hardest question we ever got is one of our listeners who I, th- I think this still is the sweetest and like purest email we've ever received was in a new relationship and felt like it was going well but wrote to us and said that they um have never been in love before and they're not really quite sure what it feels like and yes. what does it feel like oh. to be in love and how do they know if they're in love and i like trying to answer that question was so we talked about it for like 20 minutes and I was like I don't even know if any of the words I said just meant anything (laughs) because it's true it's like you can't I can't put that into words yeah love is such a hard thing it's like a feeling and there's just it's hard to explain that into words yeah oh interesting but yeah that's a that's a beautiful question. Yeah, it was very fun and nice to talk about. I'm like a, a grouchy pessimist a lot of the time, so it made me. I was like <laughs> waxing poetic about love and whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I randomly remembered that while we were talking. I was like, that was hard. <laughs> we had a hard time with that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's a pretty hard question. And on that yeah. note, we shouldn't take up too much more of your time. We'll leave you all with that tough question. Tell us the answer. You would describe love. 180 think, characters or less. I mean, everyone has their own definition. So yeah, we can't even start to go through it. Like, truly. <laughs> but thank you guys so, so much for joining us. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Pretty much on all the major podcast platforms, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Stitcher Radio, you know, pretty much anything. We're everywhere. So it's under Dateable Podcast. And then you can also find us at Dateable Podcast on Instagram and then datablepodcast.com. And we awesome. link. we're going to link. Yeah. Oh, jinx, Kimmy. Jinx. Uh, <laughs> we're going to link all of that in the show notes. Um, check it out. Check out the Dateable Podcast. And thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you, Julie. Thanks thank for you, having Ryan. us on the show. Thank you. Really love this it. This was so fun. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Thank you.